0: Welcome to That DJ Podcast with me, Jake Colley, journalist, DJ and creator of Undiscovered Sounds, a platform for emerging electronic artists. In this episode, I catch up with DJ and producer Anne Nen, who tells me about what it was like to perform at the Rugby World Cup final and get a track signed by Circus Recordings. Tell us a little bit about you and how you got from Lenny Barton to, to Anne Nen and... How you've got to this point
1: so i started emceeing first of all in clubs about like, in 1995 so like rave and hardcore and stuff like that so where i'm from is a town called aldershot and they used to have quite a big really big rave scene and it's a weird place because it was halfway in between southampton which had a really big rave scene and london so it used to be like a stuff off point when people were doing like those m3 road trips so there's a big night there called fusion which has had like Slipmat, matt Hicksie, Psy, everyone like every week so a mate of mine used to run and work in a record shop. We started hanging out, so I started sending mixtapes and stuff. So I uh, started MCing for them. So that's how I really got into it all to start with. And then I did start DJing. So a couple of years later, sort of learned off those guys. Sort of, oh, I don't know, I the first sort of real gig in like 1997, I suppose. And that's when I just went to university. So I moved to Cardiff then. And um, I was called like Lukey B then. That's my name. That's quite a nice thing to call yourself. Um, and then he. And I started DJing at university uh, and then started running Knights University and then started running Club Nights in Cardiff. So I'd probably spent about nearly 15 years in Cardiff, off and on. Um, so we ran Club Nights. Um, I was with part of, a DJ with a guy called Di Jones, who runs um, Techno Nights now. Uh, we were called the Tiny Twins, which is a uh, ironic name because we were like, like he's quite a big bloke and I'm a big bloke as well. So uh, we played at venues, played all, all across... The uh, UK, pretty much, he's uh, up in Stoke, up in Newcastle, uh, obviously Cardiff and Swansea, but all over really. And sort of played in Cyprus, the uh, season out in Iron so it was good, it was good times. And that was playing mostly like a bit, um, like original Trance, and then more housey stuff then. And then started making a bit more techno, so that's set up Lenny Barton. About 10 to 12 tracks out on different labels. Didn't really put much effort into it, if I'm honest. Just released Trace, started making music. Wasn't DJing as much in as well. So, DJ a bit more. Than I was DJing with Dye's Tiny Twins, quite a lot. Um, and I was just DJing less and less more locally and pushing myself out there. And then, pretty much about last year, had about, probably about a five or six year gap from producing, making music because of my twin boys. So, they were born for the family stuff and moving and all that. We just I took a bit of a break from the scene, really. It's about 18 months ago. I would really put one to get back into it. So, that's when I thought of I setting up and then so and then was born probably about actually near a year ago scrubbed off my computer scrubbed off all my gear scrubbed off my hardware stuff got a push too um and then i was just trying to, for like six months just trying to find out um, what type of music i wanted to make and what i was into And i just thought well, the stuff you're into really because i'm really into the tribally techy stuff quite deep techy stuff um which has got a bit of techno elements into it so uh, that's how that's why i started making and then really
0: where was your first gig and, and how did you get it?
1: Oh, so it was my first gig was in a town called Camberley, a DJ gig. It was a town town in Camberley. I don't know if it's open now, a place called the Aging Court and it was um a mate of mine was running a night because we knew lots of people there just after to play. Um obviously we'd hang out you'd heard me play before. So I don't know if there's anyone decent in the bill. it was more like locals playing. But it was in that place and the yeah, it got proper hooked on it. It was just really different to MC. It was more the whole hour was yours. You would like, play what you want, and you can guide the feeling of the set and all sorts. So it was really cool. It was a really good night. I got hooked from then on, on, really. So, yeah, it was probably about ninety six, ninety seven. 97. I think that was my first proper gig. That's my first actual gig. Was at It was at a youth centre at about 13, but that do not really count, does <laughs> <is> it? <laughs>
0: I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You can go yeah.
1: on if you want. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, for about 13 then, in a in the youth centre in, um, in my hometown. That was one the first out of records to people
0: so What would you kind of recommend for, for people that don't have those connections try and kind of build up their network and and try and get in there and get their first gig?
1: So I think the first thing you've got do well, the first thing you to do is just get to know people so that's it because I've had to do that two or three times so obviously when I when I first started getting into it then when I moved to Cardiff I had to get to know people around there as well and then also starting and then is that like, I still got connections to Cardiff actually locally still don't have that many course. and so nationally i'm making quite a few as well and internationally and that's various forms so at the moment online is just the best way to do it the there's so many great communities and forums out there there's um there's also mixed masters but lots of other places do have some pretty good communities as well um, and then make connections that way um instagrams a good way just to follow people locally that you want to get involved with as most places have got some type of um like what, music forum somewhere so it's, it's a, that's a really good way to do it. Um, and then once we're allowed, going to gigs. I mean, that's how most people meet people. that They go to the same gigs and they end up playing in the back room and then they work their way up. Um, that's probably the best way to do it. Or put your own night on. Do it yourself. If you can't get a foot through the door, do it yourself. Get on with it. Um, people moan that they can't get gigs, can't get signed. Set your own labour up and do your own night.
0: So how big of a thing is, is social media for these days for kind of promoting yourself as, as a DJ and getting your, getting your brand out there and getting your music out there?
1: I wish it wasn't so important. It needs to be a fine balance because if you haven't got decent music or you're not a decent DJ, the product you're pushing is like crap and people will see through it. They will do. Um, so I think that what... Ideally, promoters wouldn't look at your Instagram following or SoundCloud following or Facebook following. They wouldn't, but they do. They absolutely do. And if you're trying to get fit through the door for, for bigger clubs, um, then, yeah, you probably need a decent following. But saying that, if you're a really good DJ, really good producer, um, and there are some really good promoters out there that, that do find local talent, and if you get to know them, then definitely they'll start giving you gigs and, and putting you out there. Um, and that's how you can build your social following then. So if, you're gonna, if you want to stay local, then probably it's not hugely important, but actually it will naturally grow anyway. But if you want to start um, playing out across the country or doing more stuff, then it's quite important, like your social media presence, your content. It's another job as well. It's where the skills aren't as well for for, for a DJ. And I've had to learn all this for the last couple of years. and It's been, a, it's been um, challenging and time-consuming, if I'm honest. But luckily I've learned from some really, really good people and there's ways to do it, but also I quite enjoy it now as well. It's can be quite fun, but you've got to have a balance between that. And I found recently with kind of promote a lot of my stuff online that I've probably not spent as much time on making you know, music that I should do. Um, so you've got to get the balance right. And to be honest, it's like, if you were a shop owner and you had nothing in the shop, there's no good chucking out social media stuff, is it? So you've got to make sure you've got a product or a thing to sell, to be honest, so yeah.
0: So, how do you kind of approach social media on on a like a weekly or or a monthly basis? What are the what are the things that you try and do in terms of regular posting and and things like that?
1: Um, I think it's got to be a balance between the music stuff and your personal stuff. I think people are saying like fifty fifty, but like I never put my kids on there. I'll never do. I talk about my kids, but I never talk like actually put pictures stuff in there. That's my own personal choice, and some people choose to do. That's cool. But then it is about social media, is about people getting to know you and you getting to know other people. So it's quite nice to open up a little bit. Um, like, I've made some, I've probably got like a couple of hundred people I've made really good friends with on social media that I've never met in real life. Like, and I know it sounds a bit fake and a bit weird. I feel like you do have a genuine connection with some people because you're interested in the same music in the same things. You um, support each other. There is quite a good community of people supporting each other. So I would, for me, to starting up with, just seeing who was in the similar groups, make sure you follow them and make sure you interact is really, really important. Um, and then, like you would do within a pub, like you wouldn't just go in, going hard to someone and go buy my track or, or whatever. It's just it's it, it, it's like you were doing a pub. It's like you just make connections with people, and they're trying to generally in relationships with people. Um, you get a lot of people that want to be fake and follow me, and give me a stand card link and all that type of stuff, and you're not going to get much joy with that, to be honest. So. I probably, when I've got a release out, I'll probably plan a few weeks in advance around just giving snippets out. Um, If I'm working the label, they'll normally have a plan of what they're doing. So they'll say, they'll start sending you the social media assets and stuff a couple of weeks before. And then normally do a big push like a week before. So do snippets before and a big push before. But I still try and mix it up with some personal content and stuff on there as well. And then try and keep the same content and brand and everything on Facebook, SoundCloud. Instagram really. I mean Instagram and Facebook are the main ones I've used really. I don't really use I use Twitter sometimes, but not particularly not very often. Um and then I think it's just being interested in other people as well, because I generally am interested in other people. So the people you follow interacting with them and then they interact back with you. Um like I've probably like, like six months I've got like from like, a couple of bunch of to like nearly fifteen hundred. That's mainly because of releases and new stuff also because I think it's generally quite interesting what people are doing it's really exciting at the moment, it is quite exciting. But all this crap that's going on, there's so much amazing music and talent out at the moment and it's everyone seems to be supporting each other a bit more. I think that loads of people talk about how bitchy it can be on social media, but I don't know if I don't follow those people or not. But it doesn't seem to be it seems quite supportive. Some really cool people.
0: So how often do you post on on socials then?
1: Um try and do it daily. Try and do it that if it, if it's like music related and stuff. But if I got I got release out obviously Friday, I do it like um, make sure I do it daily. A couple of weeks ago, I had like a couple of weeks break just because I had to get music done. And it's not just about the posting; it's about interacting with people. Offers takes a, takes time. Um, so I probably say daily, one for another. Um, planned stuff though, it's like you look at a couple of weeks in advance and just plan out what you need to what you need to put out, what content you need to put out. Um, Especially if you're like I say, the, the, working with a the label, they should have a media plan for you as well, and they'll, they'll do stuff at the same time and joint stuff and all that. So, but in short, yeah, probably daily, I'd say. And then my Facebook page links, also my first personal Facebook page. I put a load of bollocks on about just personal stuff, really that I think is funny. I think that's that thing as well. It's it's just be yourself as well. Because I'm a bit stupid and a bit silly, so but I've tried to make that come through on my social media, my personal stuff as well
0: some people are on, on one side of the fence and some people on the other side about, about Facebook ads. How do you feel about using, using that to kind of grow your, your audience?
1: So, yeah, that's a really good point. So, um, if you were doing a club night and it was like 10 years ago, would you print out flyers and put them in the local record shops? You would. So, in these days, why would you not do the same for your own brand or your own music on Facebook when actually you can target people a lot better than you would do in a random record shop doing a close shot that we used to do hauling around 5,000 bloody heavy buyers. Um, so I've got no problem whatsoever. I do it, um, I probably do it for my releases and sometimes for the odd, um, like if I'm trying to build a following on something or uh, for example, my uh, Instagram or Facebook or like, I've only just got into Spotify really. Um, so doing um fan tunnels and doing hyper-edit links and stuff just to get followers up is, is really good and also loads of stuff around different free downloads um that works really really well so doing adverts around that just to get extra fans and also emails of people because they're really interested in music the best way because you you don't own your stuff on facebook you don't own your content on instagram if that all went down as in my instagram account did about six months ago um you don't have any of those contacts. So you've got to make sure you follow and make sure you get people's emails. I think it's really, really important. also with their permission? And you, know, you do it through download gates or mailing lists or whatever, but then you engage those people and those people are interested in your stuff. So they're, they're a target audience for you. So personally, I don't have a problem with Facebook accounts at all. Facebook uh, ads absolutely at all. And I think it's, it's a really good way of marketing. Um, the reach on social media, organic reach on social media at the moment isn't very good. Instagram's got to get less, Facebook has got to get a bit less. So, spend, and it's not extortionate, spent a couple of quid. People might be interested in music to build a brand going forward, I think is quite sensible. You would do, you know, I think what i struggled with previously when I did like Lenny Barton and the Tiny Twins and things like that, did it because it was a hobby and i really interested in it. I really enjoyed it. I didn't take it seriously. It's only now I've realised I can bring all the stuff I learned from working in my like in my jobs and university. I've never thought of transferring it into like, the, the DJ world, the production world, and I just started doing that. So proper planning, uh, marketing. Well, I just didn't do it before because it was like a hobby. You probably need to take it. If you want to take it, if you want to keep it as a hobby, that's cool. But if you want to take it seriously, then you're probably best to do some plans around what you want to do and business plans and treat it like a business a little bit. But a business you're extremely passionate about.
0: From the first DJ gig that, that you had, you obviously went on to do kind of reg- residencies and stuff. What was yeah. what kind of came in between that, and what what how did you get towards that point where you were putting on regular gigs? Uh,
1: so oh, oh, so I started yeah, so it was probably moving to Cardiff was a big thing, but then I had to start again. But it was really good at a Dance Music Society, uh, and also in. Cardiff at the time um when was it they were put on nights on the stuff like Tony DeVitt, Nick Warren um so it was like some pretty big names um so quite a good little community was based around also they had a place called the Hippo Club in Cardiff as well which was quite um quite big for music as well to met loads of people through clubbing and, and and all that type of stuff so uh then also I started DJing Shoots Union so playing everything from like I used to play on a Friday nights, playing a bit of cheese music and all that but also we started running nights on a Saturday and then I started playing for the, the guys that were running the proper club nights on a Thursday night called Flirt. Um, just used to play for them like every other Thursday which was really, really cool. And that just led to more gigs in and around Cardiff then. And then when we left university uh, people, some of the people that I'm really, really close friends with today we set up a night called Superchunk. Um, we had nights across nights called Cardiff and Swansea, Bristol um to the couple up in the Midlands as well. Um, so that was, that was really, really good. And we had DJs like well. we a bit of fun to avoid. Um, did joint nights with back to basics. Um, I was to have it. Tom Neville was like one of the big DJs at the time. Um Phil Kieran, that was a brilliant night. So yeah, it was it was really, really good. But then also we had residency from other places, so we used to pay for a night uh, called Cool House. So I used to play in the back room for them and that's where we got the loads of people and they they were like they were massive at one I think they were like number one club in Mix Mag a DJ Mag at one point, House was. Um, and that was in a place called a club called the Emporium in Cardiff, which is legendary. It was only like five capacity, but it was absolutely brilliant. It was really, really cool. Um so I think it was mainly going from gigs, moving to Cardiff, and then I think going to club nights and then just meeting some like minded people, thinking who were all DJs and footwell. We wanted to do something ourselves, slightly different. Um, cool House was quite techy at the time. We wanted to put some a bit more tougher, not techno, but more drummy stuff on. So that's what we did. So we just got on and done it. So it was quite cool. But John Carter down a few times was really, really good. Um, yeah, that's how we that's how we started. Moving. That's how I got into more DJing, I suppose
0: you were going to regular events and stuff and, and putting on events, but how did you actually get a residency in, in these places? Was it just from connections with, with people that you'd, you'd built up relationships and stuff and that it kind of came from there? Or was it, was there anything that you were kind of doing to, to get to that point? Um,
1: so there was mixtapes. It was literal tapes as well at that time. Um, so it was mixtapes Um and then CDs so mixtapes of CDs and stuff giving up to people giving up to promoters hassling them a little bit Um, because there was quite quite a group of us that started DJs and bars and stuff like that then they asked us to do the back rooms and things like that and then that progressed into to main room gigs and then also us putting our own night on so it was more around getting to know the right people getting to know the promoters and hassling them a little bit Um, and then them knowing that you got a group of friends or following that they're not stupid. If, if you play, they're making a come along. as well. And there's was, was a really good group. of us a good, probably 30 to 50 of us used to go out club in most sort of weekends. Um, so we created a bit of a community between ourselves, And then every kick we go to, they do 34 of us there anyway. And we don't support each other every other week. So I think, yes, yeah, now it would be giving them a USB or whatever or sending the a sound card link. But don't, don't do it dry. Come and speak to them first. And, make connections with them first, go to the club nights first. Um, even now, I'll just even now, I've had some decent signings and, and I've been off, because I've been out the, of out the game probably, I mean, I've got DJ probably for about two years. Um, so getting gigs now when it all starts, opens up, I've not got those connections anymore. So most club nights don't exist, of so those clubs don't exist. So I'm actually having a bit of work now to try and get those gigs again. So I'm going to have to do exactly that stuff again. Um, I know people that DJ in these clubs so it's get to know the promoters who in those clubs as well um start sending them some mail shots of my stuff and all that and sending links to my mixes and my tunes and and start and actually i'm going to start going going to their clubs and saying hello
0: so how do you kind of fit fit in all all of that stuff around because i i know you've spoken about before that you you do kind of work a normal job as well so how do you kind of fit it all around and and still have time to to do things with like your family and stuff like that
1: um, sometimes I get it wrong um, and uh, my partner will tell me <laughs> I've got it wrong and that's absolutely fine and they say that I'm bored um, problem I got with being involved in music stuff so with Mixed Masters and doing my stuff and doing podcasts and all that sort of stuff and doing mixes for people is that I absolutely love it and that I, I could do it all day, 24-7 um, but I, I love my family more so um, it's getting the balance right, but also you've got to realise that actually at the moment, hopefully not in the future at the moment, the will pays the, pays the bills. So I need to get all that balance right. actually right. So Mixmaster stuff, I said set time in the morning to do that and also do the webinars and stuff and that set times. So that's good. Um, and music, it will depend on how much I've got on at that time at the moment. So it is really fitting it around sort of family. So I normally spend a couple of nights a week doing the music stuff and the rest for the family. Google calendars is probably the best way to do it, and um, I've got one calendar that links to my work calendar as well as my personal stuff, all links together, so I can make sure it all combines we've got the right time. Rest days are important. The time if have feeling a bit burnt out or tired or whatever, just a time off from everything, what to from everything.
0: So, what in a typical kind of week, how would you kind of structure how you how you approach it? So, do you set aside a certain amount of time in the morning, or it, yeah. does it kind of vary?
1: So um, I'd say in the week, so in the week, in the morning, I'll get up with the kids and then I'll spend a bit of time to check in mixed masters emails and stuff like that. Um, then um, I'll sort the kids out and then we do. I've got my day job. I um, might do a few sneaky emails in my day job for different bits and bobs as well. Um, and then in the evening, uh, I'll, it depends what's going on with mixed masters. If I've got a webinar in the evening. I'll set to make sure I know that's in. Couple of weeks of arts, anyway, so that'll be in. And then I'll probably have one or two evenings making music and rest with the family and make sure I spend some time with them on the weekend.
0: For people that don't kind of know know as much about the industry as you, um how how would people kind of go about finding promoters and and would they just go to the club and say who's the promoter for tonight or what, what how would they approach it?
1: So I think first of all we've got really have got to think about where you want to play. So um do you have a specific style that you want to play? If that's the case, it makes it a bit easier. If you just want to DJ somewhere, then just go to your local place. Just go to your local place that, that, uh, and then start speaking to the promoter. and over a few weeks, you get to know them, get to know the people that go to the club. and That's one way of doing it. Um, if you've got a specific style, best thing to do is go to things like Resident Advisor, uh, go to Skiddle, places like that and find out what's on near you and then find the website of the um, club night and they should have a contact address in there. So either the promoter um, or go to Instagram. So follow them on Instagram and start engaging on their posts. Um, be generally interested. That'd be fake about it. Be generally interested in it. Um, and then start going to their nights and make connections that way. Um, normally on the Instagram post, you've got an email contact on there as well. Um, and then just say hello. Say hello. Say who you are. Really short, succinct, because they get probably get a lot of like demos and stuff. Send them to you, SoundCloud, Page with a link, to talk about your latest mix. You've got some tunes out, tell them about that, and then send it to them. And then, just when you actually go physical, as you can, go and say hello to them. So, I'll send it a mix with the thinking about it. Um, and then maybe do a chaser email, like a maybe a couple of weeks later. Um, it's the same post you would do if you're going to send tunes out as well, to be honest. So, if you, if you want to just swap the club for what the label is. Um, so the posts I've done, I've actually done pretty much this for the, the clubs around here is to find out who the promoter is, connect with them on Facebook and Instagram, say hello, tell them who you are, some the stuff you're using, just create a relationship. And then once it does open up, to go and support them and pop down and say hello.
0: There's quite a few few highlights from looking through your bio and stuff for some of the stuff you've done. Um, what would, Out of all the stuff, what would you say is the thing you're most proud of?
1: Um, so I've probably got a couple. I think having a season in um, Iron is pretty cool. I was literally getting paid to DJ every night. Um, I've got some stories I can tell, probably not on this podcast, but it's some really, like some amazing times. Um, Getting paid to DJ full time. That was between, it was like my year off to start university. So I spent all summer getting paid to DJ, Uh, paid for flights, everything. I flew back to graduate and flew back again. It was like, honestly, it was like the dream. Then I think another one not far after that was DJ at the World Cup final. That was quite mad. So the one the guy that I mentioned that used to run the students' union, uh, when I went to, uh, also had like a promotions company and an events company, and he was asked to 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 run the um, events for the World Cup uh, for the World Cup when it was in the university in Cardiff. That was an amazing sort of month. So I DJed a couple of times in the um, supporters thing, and then DJed at the World Cup final, um, to playing some uplifting music. Um, as it were, so that was pretty cool to just be involved in that. Um, and then I probably think another gig, the highlight one, was when we did um, we played for some people we did, did a local gig with Back to Basics. Um, back to, I've been a massive fan of Back to Basics for years. Um, obviously a legendary club night, and they came down to Cardiff, and we um, we the guys we were wearing Super Chunk with did the second room for them, and it ended up as one massive party in the second room in the end. Um, so we were DJing with Dave Beer and um, it was a lot of shenanigans that night. It was, it was just, to be DJing with someone like that who's legendary uh, for a club brand, and he won't like it be called a brand, but a, a club brand like that was just amazing. It was a, it was absolutely rammed to the rafters, so It was just a brilliant musical night and there was some really funny people there. So there was, um, do, you, do you know Dirty Sanchez? Yeah. Um, yeah, so they, obviously some of them are, Welsh boys, so they knew. I think they knew Dave Beer for some reason. And the Howard Marks was there knew Dave as well. It was just like weird, but brilliant. <laughs> it was, it was, it was really good. It was good. So was probably one of the highlights. Um, and then putting our first gig on Super Chunk, where we had Phil Kier and Tom Neville, um, the club that we were about to do it in. literally shut. So they pulled, and we were going to do it in a shut the week before we were gonna, we'd do it. So we found a new venue, Sharpish, and we ran the place to rafters on our first night. That was pretty amazing really cool and Phil Kieran's a still is a bit of a legend but he was a big we were a big fan of this of so him to come and play for us it was, it was really really cool So, and he was an actual gent as well which made it even better so a couple of highlights and hopefully a few to come
0: So the, the Rugby World Cup final what what did that kind of entail then?
1: So uh, one was in like the supporters village so that was like a couple of thousand people so that was paying like I'd say more commercially housey stuff just uplifting type stuff party stuff and then the actual World Cup final was um, just playing, like, pumping music at the start while people came in, uh, and that still quite forward towards, like, the beginning of it, and then the traditional Welsh band and all that took over, but actually at the start to playing a little bit of music, and it was pretty cool.
0: So were you on, like, pitch side, or how how did it work, or you'd be behind the scenes somewhere? Behind the scenes
1: somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> behind the scenes somewhere. It wasn't, yeah, I wish I was, like, I wish I was, like, David Goethe in the middle, <laughs> like, giving it all that, but. Uh, no it wasn't. It was the behind scene But the um supporters village it the in, in the final semi-final where I played was uh, that was like in a massive like um marquee in Cardiff Castle. Um so it's a couple of thousand people and then and people from all over the world and that was quite cool, It was a good fun.
0: So that, how did that feel when, when you were asked to to do that Thanks. it must have been a quite a surreal thing for, for you to be asked. It's to do. a bit
1: weird. It was a bit weird, yeah. It was a bit weird and it was more because um the, the guy from the shoot you unit know, I worked with was running it, and he needed people to help out. And you I know, DJ's that type of stuff as well. So um, yeah, it was it was quite cool. Cool, and also I've, I played rugby for years as well, so it was pretty cool for me to see all that happening. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was a bit surreal, but it's um, uh, but yeah, it didn't feel it didn't feel particularly real. And then after, just sat by the side watching it. So It's a bit. <laughs> The su- the su- the su- if I'm honest, support of really drama was more fun. Because uh, it's more like a proper gig then. It felt like more like a proper gig. Um, the other one was a bit like a uh, bit of a warm-up person, I suppose.
0: Another thing you kind of, you haven't really touched on is kind of the Radio 6 mix. How did, how did, how did oh, that yeah. come about?
1: <laughs> well, I've about that. So um, when I was, like I said, when I was DJing with... Um, um, my mate died as a tiny Twins We were teaching quite a bit. And then um, a friend of a friend, so we did um, uh, Radio One randomly, came to Cardiff and they did the rounds at the time to talk around like the, um, the dance scene and make sure they were up to scratch everything that's happened locally. He used to do like these outreach type things. So we met with them. Um, like all the, we were like probably the minnows compared to like big clubs in Cardiff, like Time Flights and Call House and others like that. So we had a chat with them, but we just say, they were saying that they were looking for more up and coming DJs and all that to have mixes on Six Music, so they put us in contact with someone, and we just emailed them and went up to. They said, yeah, cool. So we went up to London. Um, it was a pre-recorded mix, and then we just had a bit of an interview with them. So it was when Six Music were first starting. Um, so if I got well, we had when it when it was it was aired on Sunday afternoon randomly um, but the problem with that was we had a club night the night before so um <laughs> on the on the on the sunday about 12 o'clock we weren't and i think i missed it and had to pre-record it and someone else my mate wasn't a fit state to listen to it so um but we have we have got it recorded somewhere on cd i think so yeah quite a cool claim to fame to, to be on six music many years ago
0: so you've, you've obviously talked about putting putting your own events on. What what would be your tips for, for anyone that, that wants to put their own events on?
1: Uh, don't do it to make money. That's tip number one. <laughs> um, number two, create a community as quick as you can. So um, I think best way to do it is Facebook groups and stuff at the moment. So if you've got a local area that hasn't got a big scene, then set a Facebook group up for your local area for scene. That, that's a really good way to do it. Um, that means you can start connecting with like-minded people, otherwise you're going to be struggling to put a night on a, like a local area. Um, and it's something I'm going to, I might think about doing for this area, uh, to be honest, because there's not a, a lot around here at the moment. Apart from going to Guildford, you've got 30 Herds, which is a wicked little club. It's a really good club. Um, then, it would, I'd, you can do it on your own, but it's better as many allies as you can possibly can. It's good to have a good group of people to do it. Um, but I think what would be really good would be to have one person who's a decision maker because it can go a little bit skewy if otherwise um, and then start small I'd say obviously so many people get a, few, like, either get a loan or spend a few grand on hiring this nice club, big big name DJ loads of promotion, no one turns up that's because they haven't got an affiliate or the first one goes really well with that big name because people can't see a name after that, it will fall flat because you haven't got that following or connections yet so um, I'd say start small and build it up I mean, you've got some of the biggest club nights in the world started that way.
0: So is there anything that you've learned that, that people should avoid doing when putting on their own events? Yeah,
1: that's a really good point, actually, because I thought about, you know, a lot of um, Mixed Masters and other other, other other sort of education platforms talk about what you should do. I think I could write a book on what you shouldn't do. I, I've, I've made so many learning learning things. Um, what shouldn't you do when you put Club night on? Um don't drink too much or get too battered. That's number one thing. Um I know there's a couple of promoters that I know that can tell some good stories, but actually professionally, probably didn't go very much to their own right. do brand very well, and also it's sometimes quite a lot of money involved, so you just want to make sure you've got a bit of a straight head on. Do something you believe in as well. So don't go and trace the latest trend. So I've seen lots of people put on club nights and stuff that uh at a time like garage and all that and they just because of the latest trend or dubstep quickly they didn't really like it and weren't passionate about it um so i would probably say a balance of passion and a balance of business head on it i would say could go too far the other way it's not not authentic or it's just disorganized <laughs> um, um that would probably do think. um and I well, so, yeah, I fell down the trap before of putting on some really obscure lineups and wonder why people didn't turn up. Um, so I think it's good to have a balance. And then unless you've got, unless you've created a brand where people really, really trust you and you've got people who are going to come whatever, but like, for example, Sonic Rouge can put an event on and they could put Boris Johnson in a TP, and people would turn up because they like, trust that brand. I know they wouldn't do that, but they would trust that brand. Um, so there's places like that, there's other places like little festival, um yeah, there's, there's loads of loads of places that put on really cool underground lineups because they've built it up and everyone trusts them, they've got a really good following. So you can't expect that to happen straight away.
0: So aside from kind of promoting events, what for people just starting out, what 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 should they be doing to to kind of get themselves from a bedroom DJ to to kind of the point where they're, they're actually playing gigs and stuff, what are the things that, that you would recommend they, they do straight away and, and get cracking with?
1: Go from a a, a, bedroom, a bedroom DJ to a club, um, get good I think is a really, really good one um, because actually talent does stand out in the end it really does um, but some people some people think about I want to be a producer and I want to learn lots of things, get those VSTs but I want to stick to one thing to start with. If you want to be a DJ, be a good DJ, because that's an absolute skill and art in itself. Um, so, anyone now with the right tools and package can mix, but there's so much more to being a DJ. Change um, selection, what you play, your own style, um, playing music to people that will dance but they've never heard before, that's a massive skill in itself. So, learn to do that. Um, then, I would say if you want to. If you want to uh, get bigger then actually learning how to make music is, is quite important these days because it's very rare that you've got a dude who doesn't make music and vice versa. Um, and then start promoting yourself. I think get your social set up, start getting mixes out there. I mean, you don't need to be playing out to people. Start listening to music um, and then join the community. So loads of online communities where you can share mixes and, and different genres and meet people um, and then start going to your local club nights. Start meeting the right people. Um, start meeting the promoters. Um, it's hard to say about actually partying with people. Actually, does work quite a bit. So going to parties, not overdoing doing it, obviously. Um, making connections, making good friends. That, that, that's, how you, that's how you. progress. Um, so, and it's a big step from going to, from being a uh, like a bedroom DJ to to playing in a club. But it's a bit of a journey. You're not you're not going to suddenly, go from being a DJ to headline and some club nights, so you've got to you've got to play at local bars and just cut some gigs at local bars. Play maybe sometimes music you don't want to play, just get a foot in the door, um, and then work your way up in your local clubs, start to make the right connection
0: Spot on, thank you very much. So where so where I mean? can where where do we find you on on socials and stuff? What what are your handles and and stuff like that?
1: Uh, on Instagram is, um, and then underscore Lenny Barton. Uh, on Facebook, it's and then Luke, and then uh, SoundCloud is and then I don't think I'm on anything else. Yeah, I'm on the other things, but that's probably three main ones that I use as well. Mixcloud is and then Luke as well. Um, so yeah, make sure you come and say hello if you just, just be good to be good to say hello.
0: No, absolutely spot on. So you've got a release Thanks, coming man. out, release coming out now, haven't you? Um, yes, just come out, just come out, and you've got another one with Circus. When's when's that coming out then?
1: So, um, just had one out on Friday, so that was the 30th of April. Um, it's also my mum's birthday, so I remember it, and also the day before my, my um, boy's birthday as well, so that's cool. And um, that's on Shapeshift Records. It's called Plain Sight. It's going up the charts, as we speak, so it's quite good. It was went straight into the top 100 with pre-sales, so that's pretty cool. That's really, really cool. Um, and it's one of my favourite checks I've ever made. Um, and literally I made every single sound for scratch on there and I worked with a vocalist to do the, and I I rarely work, I've worked with a couple of vocals before, but this is one that's worked really, really well, I'm really proud of this track. It's a personal favourite in mind. Um, I've got another one coming out in 30th of May, which is also on Shapeshift Records. Um, that has got more of a tribal feel to it. It's called Tribal Business, obviously. Um, that's quite cool. And then the one with Circus is going to be out in uh, in the summer. I've not got the dates confirmed yet because actually they've been a bit busy with things <laughs> at the moment, putting pilot shows on the stuff like that. So, but I'm really excited because I've been a massive fan of Yusuf for for years. So I remember seeing him playing Cool House in the early two thousands. He was like blowing me away then. So to, obviously for his career and socials as well. So to be on that label now is is like a, pretty much a dream of mine. So I'm really, really. Really, really happy to be there that's, that's one that's one of my target labels ticked off my list i've got a couple more to go
0: <laughs> thanks to my guest and then and thank you for listening to the first episode of that dj podcast if you enjoyed it please leave a rating and subscribe to listen to and then's exclusive mix for undiscovered sounds visit undiscoveredsounds.com.